Welcome to According to the Scriptures, where doing things according to God's Word is of eternal importance to us. I'm Kyle Webb. Thank you for joining me. Last week we began a study in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and my plan is to go through at least chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians with the intent of understanding how culture played a part in how the Corinthians worshipped. It affected some of the things in their worship, some things that Paul felt necessary that he needed to correct in their worship. And so he writes to them with this idea in mind. And hopefully, if we have a good good understanding of how culture affected their worship and how it caused them to err in some of the ways that they worshipped, then maybe it'll help us to understand how culture can also affect our own worship today and some things that maybe we can watch out for and maybe even some things that we need to correct as well. Last week when we began this study, we basically discussed verses 2 and 3 which we will read again in a moment of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, with the, the main theme being the authority, the order of authority as it is given by God. Reading those verses from the New King James Version, it says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. We first mentioned the importance of following the commandments of the apostles as they are inspired of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul writes that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. And by faith, we believe that to be true. So we believe that what, what Paul is writing, what is also given by the other apostles, is inspired of God and should be followed and continued in by Christians even today. And so we seek to follow the New Testament because we understand it to be the authority of God. We also recognized what is said in verse 3, the order that is given by God. First of all, that the head of every man is Christ. Christ is the head of his church, and we understand that to be true. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is Christ. Man, This is true in marriage 
as Paul presents in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and following. We also understand it to be true in the church. Men need to step up and take upon themselves the respective role that God has given them as leaders within the home, as leaders in the church, and women are to recognize that authority. We also recognize that the head of Christ is God. It is not a dishonor for Christ to be submissive to God as he is his head. It is not a dishonor for man to be submissive to Christ as he is the head of the church. And it is not a dishonor for woman to be submissive to man as he is the head of the home and as he leads in regard to the church as well. And so we look at these different things and and it helps us to understand what God desires of man, what he desires in the home, and how this submission plays a part in each one respectively. But we continue on today in verse 4. Let's begin by reading together verses 4 through 7. And then then we will discuss some points that I would like for us to, to remember as we continue in this study. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. First of all, I think we need to understand what a covering is so that we can understand the passage. We're going to come back to this in a moment, but let's skip down to verse 13 for a moment and read through verse 15. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. I think this sums up exactly what Paul is describing. This is not something that goes back and forth. Uh, Whenever we read this passage, I think he is addressing hair, the hair of a woman. Now, does that mean that there can't be some kind of artificial covering as well? Maybe so. And that's that's a reason of dispute here because there are those that take this to the extreme that they believe that a woman has to have an artificial covering over her head, some kind of a a veil of some type, something to cover her hair. 
There are those within churches of Christ even that still practice having a woman covered with an artificial covering. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about because of how verses 14 and 15 are worded because they are talking specifically about hair. Now, in what I have studied and my understanding, and you may disagree, and that's okay, but from my understanding, we're talking about hair. It was a tendency for women to wear their hair very well done, uh, maybe in the likeness of the goddess Aphrodite. It became a distraction, and I think that's what Paul is addressing here. For a man to wear his hair like a woman would also be equally distracting in the worship service. For a man to be in the appearance of a woman, covering his head, having long hair, which is to be the glory of woman, or even to have a veil or some other type of covering, he has disgraced himself. Verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. He dishonors not only his physical head, but he also dishonors his head being Christ. Now, we continue reading into verses 5 and 6 here. That every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. If she were to uh, wear her hair like a, a man's, for instance, if she were to... Um, if she were not to have the long hair that would be culturally significant, then she dishonors her head, being man. It's as if her head were shaved. She might as well have her head shaved if she doesn't wear her hair properly done like a woman should or like a woman would be expected to. It would, again, be a disgrace to her. It would be a distraction in the worship service if she were to come worshiping in an improper, uh, improperly dressed. If a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. It is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved. Let her be uncovered. So it is again a shame for her to have her head shaved. It is a shame for her to wear her hair in such a way as a man would wear his hair it would be a distraction and that's what Paul is pointing out here we're not to have a distraction in the worship service and likewise in regard to head coverings in regard to the way that we wear our hair we should not be a distraction we should cover ourselves if if our hair is going to be a distraction. But again, all of this points to being a dishonor to our head, man being Christ, for woman it being the man. 
We don't want to cause a distraction in the worship service. Now, today, I think it's important to note that should a woman wear a veil in worship, culturally, that is not something we do, at least not in America. And so for a woman to wear an artificial covering, if she's in the assembly with those who don't typically do that or are not familiar with that custom, does it not also become a distraction in the worship service? Does it not also draw attention away from God, away from our purpose of coming together and focusing on something trivial such as this. I think it does. And I'm not saying that that someone that worships with an artificial covering, a veil of some type, covering their hair, a woman covering her hair in that way, I'm not saying that that's unscriptural. I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong, especially in an assembly where all the women wear the same thing that may not be a problem but for one to come into a worship service it does cause a bit of a distraction it does draw attention to them which is actually the idea behind using them it's to not draw attention to yourself so in our culture things have changed this would not be expected an artificial covering a veil of some sort would not be expected and and it would cause a distraction as men were not commanded to wear suits and ties in the bible so culture dictates what is proper and improper in reference to dress now hair on the other hand is a little different because when we look at nature i, I don't think that that things have changed as much in Paul's day and time as they have for us today in regard to what is expected of women and what is expected of men in regard to the way that they wear their hair. A man wearing long hair is typically frowned upon by nature because he is not expected to wear long hair. Long hair is something that is given to woman who can style it beautifully uh, in a way that a man would uh, find difficult. Hair on a woman is the glory of her. It is the glory of, of, uh, of her being a woman. But it would not be expected of man. And that is also something that we need to recognize can be a distraction. Now, verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. Coverings or no, this is representative of the order God has given in the church and in the home. Going back to what we read in verse 3. Man is the glory of God and should show himself as such, especially in worship. Woman is the glory of man and should show herself as such, especially in worship. And that is what Paul is addressing 
here. But let's continue reading verse 8. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Woman was taken from man. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Man came first. God created man in his image, and when he saw that he was in need of a helpmeet, he created another for him. He created woman from his rib, from his side. Not that she would be over him, not that she would be under his feet, but that she would be beside him, that she would support him in life. And so woman is created as a helpmeet for man. Going back to what is said in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 11, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. Her submission to man, again, especially in worship, is symbolized in her appearance. Veiling her beauty and power such as the King James puts it, in worship reveals her subjection to both man and God in public form. This is acceptable and pleasing unto God. And looking at verses 11 and 12, we find that man is not independent of woman, and neither is woman independent of man. However, neither are independent of God, and both should show their submission to God, partially at least in the way that they dress, in modest dress that does not draw attention to them, but draws attention away from them so that focus can be completely on God. They are not independent of each other, but they are one in the Lord. And now we come to verses 13 through 16. Again, judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, 
It is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Does nature not teach us the order of God? Again, in regard to hair, the way a man wears his hair, the way a woman wears her hair, it shows the standing, the authority, the order in which God placed them. Men in relation to women, what is appropriate for dress? Man has certain things that in culture are appropriate for his dress. Women have certain things that are appropriate for her dress. We need to recognize our culture. We need to recognize what is appropriate in culture. But yet, even in various cultures, even in various places, things are not that different, are they? There are certain things that are appropriate for men that are, when we go to different places, we recognize are appropriate specifically for men. And likewise, there are things that are appropriate for women that no matter where we go, we recognize are appropriate for women. Now for men to dress as a woman, to wear his hair as a woman's, it is a dishonor to, to him. It is a dishonor to Christ, which is his head. It is a dishonor to the order that God made for him. And likewise, for a woman to dress as a man, it would be a dishonor for her. It doesn't mean that a woman can't have short hair, but she should not wear it in such a way that she would be confused as a man instead of a woman. She dishonors the beauty that God has given her, forced her specifically. Now, Paul closes out in verse 16 with contention. Contention over such matters should not be seen in the church. And contention over the way someone is dressed in worship should not be seen in the church. Judge among yourselves, he says in verse 13. This is inappropriate for the worship service. It draws attention away from God where it should be and draws attention to man and how he is dressed. And Paul is basically saying here that men are not to dress like women. Women are not to dress like men so that they are not confused, so it does not become a distraction, so that it does not cause contention in the worship service. That's his overall theme. That's his overall idea. And that is what he is addressing in regard to head coverings. Now stick around for just a moment and we will give you more information about our con congregation and how you may contact us. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back.
On behalf of myself and the Mars Hill Church of Christ, we thank you for joining us. We hope you will be back with us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Gospel Radio Network at tgrn.org. If you would like to contact us, our phone number is 615-203-3637. If you would like to find out more about our congregation, our website is www.marshillcoc.org. Our email address is marshillcoc at gmail.com. And if you would like to contact us the old-fashioned way, our address is 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. If you are in our area, we would love to meet you in person. Our service times are 9 a.m. for Bible study and 10 a.m. for worship on Sunday mornings. Thank you again for joining us, and until we meet again, may God bless you.